Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. All these guys who run these organizations who talk about analytics, they have one thing in common. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get the game. Welcome to Beeson's Hardwood Handicappers. As you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? Not a f***ing geek. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Second hour of the program. we got a lot to get to here in the next 60 minutes. We're going to go over uh, everything we saw today, a recap of that Suns-Mavericks final, and a little bit, of course, about tomorrow. He's got a pair of game fours between the Boston Celtics and the Memphis Grizzlies. But wanted to see uh, dive a little bit into the Celtics-Bucks uh, game from yesterday and also kind of tie in a bigger picture here because I think we do have, I guess we'll call it like a small problem and you don't want to, again, you know, it's about officiating. And you don't want to get hyperbolic. You don't want to get wrapped up in a moment. One of the things that irritates me is when we do worst I've ever seen or all, you know, right, you get to, like, it's it's probably not the worst performance you've ever seen. It's probably not the best thing you've ever seen either. And we get a little too wrapped up in a lot of things here. But I don't think there's really any denying that what we saw today in the Phoenix-Dallas game, which we will uh, will expand on, and what we saw yesterday in terms of officiating between Milwaukee and Boston was problematic, it was subpar, and it affects the outcomes of some of these games. So let's start with Boston and Milwaukee because we do have the last two-minute report out and we have some clarity on what these officials believe happened yesterday. But let's paint the picture of the, the moment in question that really is, I think, the focus of all of this for this Celtics and Bucks final. Last 10 seconds of the matchup, after with 11 and two-thirds left to go, Drew Holiday makes a 12-footer. Uh, to put up the Boston Celtics, or excuse me, the Milwaukee Bucks, 103 to 100. So Celtics have the ball. They are down by three. 
clearly when you're down by three and you have the ball and it's a personal foul and you have the ball, it's a clock stoppage of 4.6 seconds left, you are going to go up for a three-point shot. Enough time has to stop or enough time has come off the clock. You need a three at this point right now. You don't need a two. You don't need to do a rip-through motion and everything like that. You need a three-point shot. Marcus Smart goes up for a three-point attempt. He is fouled. They call it on the floor. They call it the rip-through. He only gets two free throws. Smart makes the first one, purposely misses the second. We know what ensues from there. Bunch of tip-backs and offensive rebounds. Al Horford's tip-back is no good because it comes right after the buzzer. They end up losing the game. They cover, depending on the number, but they lose the game. So let's hear from a couple of people on the Celtics side first. First, let's hear from Ime Odoka. And these are both Celtics, you know, Celtics head coach. We're going to hear from Marcus Smart as well. You understand where they're coming from here. But I think they both make some pretty good points. First off, let's hear from Odoka, who said, I think what we all thought, it's a pretty poor no call on Drew Holiday's foul on Marcus Smart. It was a foul. It was a foul. He, he, was, he caught the ball. He's turned into a shot. Both feet set. You can't say that's a sweep like that. You're going into a shot. So, poor call. Poor no call. He was sweeping it like... Yeah, yeah, but you can clearly see it on. I saw it in person, but also on the film. You, I just went and looked at. It's a shot. He's curling into a shot. He's getting fouled on the way up. From yeah, the last two minute report, Holiday commits a foul by making contact with Smart's arms before he is bringing the ball upward toward the basket. A personal foul is correctly called. From the last two minute report that was just released about 20 minutes before the show. So the officials are, and not surprising. Uh, are kind of doubling down here and saying that it was correctly called. It was a rip-through. That was not a shot attempt. That it was correctly called. Holiday uh, was fouling him before the attempt. I think, just like Yudoka mentioned right there, that when you watch it, it was clearly a three-point attempt. And when you take into context the situation, it's clearly an attempt. And if you want context, here's Marcus Smart explaining his thought process on that shot. What you guys see? I would like somebody to answer that. I mean, that's all I got to say. I mean, we need three with 4.6 seconds. They know we need three. We know they're going to foul. And then it's not like he got me when it was down low. I was already in my shooting motion. I thought it was three free throws. They said it wasn't. Deal with it. I was just going for the three. We need three. Um, you know, if they foul me, then, you know, I was, I was shooting it regardless. So uh, really wasn't even anticipating a foul. But he did it. And like I said, I was already in my shooting motion. I thought it should have been three. Pretty simple. And, again, this isn't to, like, complain or anything like that. It's just these are important. They're important in the sense of these guys playing for championships. Obviously, they care about what happens and the outcome. But it's also important when we talk about it. We've brought this up before when any officiating gaffe comes up. When you have started to dive into the waters of, you know, sports betting and tying yourself to sports betting, Right When this all got started, you want to bring up integrity fees when you're Adam Silver and talk about the integrity of the game when it comes to basketball betting. This kind of stuff needs to be correctly called. And you tie in a game like today, the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks, which I thought was a very terribly called game by the officials. I thought the final foul on Chris Paul was an atrocious foul to be called in that instance where Jalen Brunson goes up for a putback attempt. He's grazed by Chris Paul, who's standing there behind him and they call it a sixth foul. There were plenty of calls in this game. And by the way, this is coming from somebody that the Dallas Mavericks catching points in that situation. This was a terribly officiated game. Again, I'm not going to say the worst I've ever seen, but it was a terribly officiated game. And now we have this on the heels of what we saw between Boston and Milwaukee, which I thought was a nightmare down the stretch, including some more missed calls outside of the biggest one, which was the Marcus Smart one. A late charge on Drew Holiday wasn't called. You have to 
get these things right. And even more so, you release these last two-minute reports for a reason. You have to be open to the fact that you should say that you got something wrong. And that, to me, is the more troubling thing about it, is when you look at it and you look at a last two-minute report where you open it up and you expect to see, all right, you know what, yes, we got the call wrong, whatever, and they don't, and they double down. And you look at some of the officiating being explained away by some of the announcers and play-by-play guys uh, during some of these broadcasts. Like, I'm a big fan of Richard Jefferson. And he's a former and he's a former player too at that, which is somewhat surprising. But to agree with the foul call on Chris Paul that ultimately got him out of the game, I think is ridiculous. So this is just about the officials. They need to do they just they need to do a better job. Flatly, they just need to do a better job. There's money exchanging hands over these games. You have constantly uh, put yourself in the situation where remember they fined the Phoenix Suns twenty five thousand dollars, and part of the reason what they invoked was wanting to be accurate for the sense of sports betting in terms of the injury report. Well, that's great. Fix the injury report. $25,000 is a drop in the bucket for the Phoenix Suns franchise, but still, at least it's something. And it's something like this, you got to get it right. And at the very least, when you're talking about these last two-minute reports, own up to the fact that you got it wrong, and they didn't. So as we kind of move on from there, I just think it's really important to point that out. We'll see if officiating gets any better. I would doubt it. We have a game today. Maybe they can you know, pull it back together, and everybody can put something forth that's going to be a really well-called game. Uh, but don't know if that's actually going to be the case, obviously. So we'll see if that happens. And especially, by the way, in a game like today, where you have a guy like Joel Embiid, who loves to get to the free throw line, and James Harden, who has been trying, I guess, to a certain extent. But let's talk about this game, nonetheless, basketball-wise, between Milwaukee and Boston, because it was an interesting game. And it was a game that I thought, when you watched it at least, was somewhat poorly played by both teams. I thought there were a lot of missed shots in terms of shot quality. And actually, the shot quality guys, actually, they – least give a little credence to that when you look at it Giannis as they put MVP performance Celtics only 1.13 shot quality points per possession on three-point field goal attempts but some of these shot quality scores as they put it on their graphic shot quality score of 115 to 114 between these two teams yesterday a a game that finished 103 to 101 so it gives you an idea of how poorly they shot on some relatively good looks but I also think it's somewhat important you see some of the numbers there the actual score, 103 to 101. If you factor in shot quality, a 115-114 game, Milwaukee winning. So, again, just a coin flip game. Anything could have happened. Um, but I think that's really important when you look at this because as you kind of move forward in this series, and these are two really good defensive teams. Don't get me wrong or anything like that. But as these games continue to go under the total and these numbers start to shrink in terms of these pre-flop totals, we're looking at it for tomorrow, a total down opened up 209.5. The market betted up to 211.5, and, and I would agree with that. You see a total like there, some shot quality numbers like this, and I think you kind of get to that point where maybe we're going to start to see these games go over the total if these guys start to hit their open shots. But I thought it was one of those games that it was fun. It was a gritty defensive type of game, but you also saw a lot of instances of guys really missing some very good looks, and you kind of expect this to turn itself around from an offensive efficiency standpoint for both teams, not just one. Uh, And it's also worth pointing out, too, before we get to the Milwaukee side, like on a grander scale, Sometimes it's just cool to watch good players play basketball. And Giannis Antetokounmpo was one of them. From ESPN Stats and Info, Giannis Antetokounmpo yesterday, his sixth career 40-point playoff game, twice as many as any other player in Bucks franchise history. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had three. In fact, as ESPN Stats and Info goes on to add, all other players in Bucks playoff history have just seven 40-point games. So Giannis with his sixth all other players of Bucks playoff history with just seven 40-point games. Giannis, as usual, is incredible. And this is kind of what the Milwaukee Bucks, I think, needed in a series like this. You needed otherworldly Giannis to kind of get through this game. 
Game one had a triple-double, and in this game here, has a 40-point performance to which he was absolutely incredible, and they have a 2-1 series lead as a result of it. But I think there's also been a consistent here in this series. Boston has an outlier performance. They, they shot really well in game two, ultimately led them to a very comfortable win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee, on the other hand, has been consistently inefficient on the offensive end of the floor. And yes, we just brought up the shot quality metrics, and they missed some open shots, as did the Boston Celtics. But you're talking about an offensive rating in that game of 101 for Milwaukee. The game prior to that, offensive rating, 91.5. And then in game one, an offensive rating of just 100 flat. The, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks are barely averaging a point per possession in this series, and the Celtics have been doing a brilliant job on defense, putting the onus on Giannis to get all of this done on his own and doing a great job of kind of limiting the other role players. It's just on Boston to now kind of get its rear end, get its head out of its rear end and start to ratchet things up offensively. Jason Tatum did not have a very good game, and while I love Al Horford, Al Horford looked like he was 25 the other day, you need more offensive firepower from other guys. You can't miss open three-point shots if you're the Boston Celtics against a team that's a defending champs that can play defense at the level that they can on, more, on most possessions. So Celtics have a positive going for them. They have played really good defense through this portion of the series, but they got to be kicking themselves a little bit here because they have done really good on that end of the floor, but they're still sitting at a 2-1 series deficit. So we'll see if they can turn things around at the offensive end of the floor, but that is easier said than done when it comes to facing the Milwaukee Bucks. So with that, let's talk about that game. On the other side, game four between those two. We'll also talk about game four between Memphis and Golden State, how we handle that now that we know that John Morant is likely to miss this game with the knee injury that Jordan Poole just so viciously bestowed upon him at the end of game three. It's coming back here on Hardwood Handicap. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, know, watch Creighton, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton, because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, gonna, not, the, not the Big East tournament? Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it would only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like, that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a, is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, 
You don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Wood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. This uh, segment of Harvard Handicappers brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties. They come in two strengths. You can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. And it's never been easier to find your Zen. So visit Zen.com slash find. Locate a store near you. That's ZYN.com slash find. Warning, product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, we're back here, and I was actually just uh, mentioning, so I, uh, I went on this just a great, just a great rant, I guess, I don't know, uh, monologue about uh, the officiating and how I didn't really agree with the Chris Paul foul. I actually mentioned Richard Jefferson, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, he's done a really good job since he's gone over as a commentator for ESPN. He uh, just tweeted out the clip of the foul and said, it's a foul. So stop, well, he also notes that stop letting your fandom blind y'all, which is, I'm not a fan, uh, at least of the Phoenix Suns. I was actually on the other side here. Still think it wasn't a foul, but regardless... Agree to disagree. We move on from there. Also breaking news, just pointing out, uh, as uh, Brian Ortega, our esteemed producer, pointed out, the Sacramento Kings are making moves, um, whatever the Sacramento Kings are doing. Uh, they have agreed to terms, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, with one Mike Brown, who is going to serve as their next head coach. Four-year deal. So Mike Brown back on the bench as lead man, this time for the Sacramento Kings. So we'll see a big loss. We'll see if the uh, Warriors can recover losing a guy like that off the bench. No. Uh, Kings need some sort of stability in terms of their head coaching position. So hopefully Brown uh, contributes to that because they have been a franchise mired in mediocrity. So let's talk a little bit about some of these game fours that we're going to see tomorrow. So we'll update the scene in terms of the number, get into a one by one. First off, Boston and Milwaukee. Milwaukee opens up a one point favorite, total of 209.5. This is, of course, game four between these two. Uh, we're starting to see some move. Uh, one shop right now, I think I've got this up at Station Casinos out here in Las Vegas, has this hung up as a pick. Pretty much everywhere else has this in favor of Milwaukee by one with a total of 211.5 or 2.12. Now that total is up from the open of 209.5 that some spots opened up with. And I would agree, kind of going back to our conversation that was shot quality, looking at some of the looks that these two teams made for themselves, you expected, I think at least, a uh, higher scoring affair than the one that took place the other day. 
And so maybe some positive regression for both of these teams from an offensive standpoint. And keep in mind, too, this is the other important factor here. Saturday's game was a relatively quick game. They actually had 103 possessions uh, each. So this is going to be a game where you're talking about it from that standpoint. If it takes on the same pace as it did on Saturday, a little bit more up and down, back and forth, a little bit more work in transition for both of these teams. I mean, look at Boston. Boston, 19.4% of their possessions started with a transition play, according to Cleaning the Glass. Milwaukee started 14.7% of their possessions uh, with a transition play, and they were brilliant in transition in this game, and they have been in the series, actually. But offensive rating in transition for Milwaukee, 171.4. So if Boston gets a little bit more efficient in transition, it continues in terms of the pace that we saw. Uh, you could totally see this game making its way to being higher scoring than what we saw. And this is also really important because, you know, these unders have kind of taken over in the postseason. And I was asked this question earlier today, which was, hey, man, we just betting these unders or what? And you always got to remember, right, adjustments are being made by the odds makers. It's not just coaches and teams making adjustments. These numbers adjust. We just talked about Phoenix and Dallas. The number closed three today in favor of Phoenix. It's only five and a half back at home for game five. That's an adjustment by the market. And you're starting to see this with this series as well. And you see it all the time. But from a totals perspective that we've seen in this series, right? Because all three games have gone under the total. The first game in this series, total closed 218 and a half. Second game in this series, closed 215 and a half. Third game in this series, closed 212. For this fourth game, we open up at 209, and we're seeing the market buying that back up. So, again, you don't want to just come in and blindly bet these things under, 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 because as these games are kind of played the same, right, the total is moving toward them as the games go on and as the odds makers adjust. So it seems that 209.5 is the lowest the, the market will allow this to go, and I would agree with that sentiment given what we saw in these last game and the pace at which we saw these two teams play. And uh, that we have a pretty good opportunity for this next game to potentially go over with a little bit of a better offensive output and a similar uh, pace played between these two. Now, as far as the number is concerned, so again, that first game, or the first game, the first game back in Milwaukee, game three, opens up three, closes about one and a half, should be right where you put it. This is exactly where I put it. It's why we talked about earlier in the show when we talked about home court, what it all means, the difference between these two, three in favor of Milwaukee means that these two teams are equal and a neutral. Now we're more in the range where this should be. There's not that big of a difference between these two teams. But with Chris Middleton not being available for Milwaukee, it is safe to say, at least I believe so, that Boston is the slightly better rated team. So when you get a number like this, this would tell you that on a neutral, Boston is about a two-point favorite. And that would make more sense than these two teams being equal without Chris Middleton out there. So from a number standpoint, personally, I'm in a position where I don't want to play this pre-flop because I think it's right where it should be. What I'm interested in is how the market responds and acts on a game like this. So again, we'll invoke what happened today between Phoenix and Dallas. I was texting with Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate Superbook. Um, he, of course, uh, is one of these odds makers that leads the way in terms of putting up the numbers for the NBA there. And he talked about how the market was coming in, right? We talked about it, like all these tickets and money coming in on the Phoenix Suns today, driving that number up to three, which is where it closed. People playing the zigzag or the comeback, however you want to phrase it. The zigzag is a pretty popular theory in the postseason. Uh, but a lot of people may be thinking that, hey, man, Boston's due, right? They're going to zigzag. It's going to come back. So what I'm interested in is how the market treats a game like this in terms of where this ends up by the time we get to tip off tomorrow. Are we going to get another instance of today where the market got a little, a little randy and started just pumping money and tickets into the Phoenix Suns and drove this to a point where I was like, all right, man, now you got to get involved because I think it's a little too high here. Are we going to get to the point where the Celtics go off as about a one, one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against Milwaukee because the market thinks that this is the spot for the Celtics, that it's due? And 
the situation, like situations, they change numbers. Case in point, we'll go to game three for Dallas and Phoenix, okay? Dallas is down 2 nothing coming back home. Betters love that angle, right? Down 2 nothing coming back home. Bet them first quarter. Bet them first half. Bet them in the game. You're going to get a better effort. And it played out in that game. But remember, Dallas closed as a one-point favorite in that game, in game three. The market deemed that that situation was worth making Dallas a one-point favorite on the road. And then deemed that because Dallas won and covered that game, the Suns were in a zigzag situation. So now, all of a sudden, the Suns are three points better on the road than Dallas. So it wouldn't be a surprise to see the market kind of overreact in this third, or this fourth game between these two and maybe make the Boston Celtics a favorite on the road. So we'll see. If we're getting in that range, if you're going to give me like a plus money, money line price on the Milwaukee Bucks at home here, I think that's where I would get involved in something like this. But for right now, I'm going to sit back and see what the market does because we're just sitting right where I, sh- I believe this number should be. And again, from a totals perspective, completely agree with this number from 209.5 upwards to 212. Wouldn't say no to betting it over 211.5 either uh, because I do think that we are in some for some positive regression from a scoring standpoint. So then we get to Memphis and Golden State. Again, to reiterate, for those who weren't with us in the first hour who haven't seen, John Morant likely to miss this game because of this knee injury. It is also worth reiterating that Taylor Jenkins would not elaborate on what the injury was. They would just say knee. And that again, likely is doing a lot of work there, right? Likely to miss this game. Also, the market hasn't really reacted a ton. Now, a lot of this, you always got to keep this in mind too, folks. These situations are baked into the number. So after the game yesterday, we knew that John Morant was hurt. He went limping off the court at the end of the game. So this opens up after it closed seven in game three, it opens up nine. Because baked into that is the unknown status of John Morant. We get the news that he's likely going to miss the game. Market adjusts again. So now we're up to that 10 in favor of Golden State with a total of 224. I asked ER and running this question in the first hour. And I'm very curious to see what the market does here in this situation because the market has a tendency to move on information that we know is kind of coming down. So, for example... If John Morant is officially ruled out of this game by the time we get to tomorrow, I am willing to bet that the market's going to go from 10 to 11. So now we're about four points. We're, we're four points, and this is hypothetical, of course, but if we get to that like 11, 11 and a half, you're talking about a four, four and a half point difference between the closing line of game one, or game three, excuse me, and the line for game four. So I just think that maybe, just maybe, a team that went 20-2 and two straight up and I think it was, what, 19-3 and three ATS of that John Morant in the regular season, that, to ER's point, maybe you're getting a little bit of value there. But I'm really curious to see how the market responds here. And also, to use, you know, to steal the phrase that uh, Aaron used, you're also kind of dealing with this with Tom Brady gloves, right? Because you think that maybe Jenkins and the Grizzlies are playing a little bit of gamesmanship here with John Morant and what his injury status is at this point. But I, I think ultimately... The first blush here is going to be to take, and there's actually 10.5 out there right now, is to take the 10.5 with the Memphis Grizzlies. Because I think you're getting the peak of this number here. You're getting a team that has played a lot without John Morant, a team that is much better defensively without John Morant, and the market may be reacting pretty strongly here. I thought the number of nine included the absence of John Morant. So now when you get to like that 10.5 range, which is up right now over at BetMGM, I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good number to grab there with that underdog. But again, all the weaknesses still remain, right? You still don't know about that half-court situation offensively for the Memphis Grizzlies, but we do know this. They're a much better team defensively without John Moran, 
and that could really muck things up here for the Golden State Warriors. Remember the first two games, only an offensive rating of 106. They were playing them pretty well defensively in those first two games. You could see a similar game plan there. Okay, when we come back, we're going to keep going here. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit more about the details of what the Dallas Mavericks just did to the Phoenix Suns and how that series is playing out. Update the series price there in all the series prices. But we're also going to give you one last preview on this matchup between Philadelphia and Miami. Market's starting to move yet again as we're getting closer to tip-off between those two in Game 4 back at the City of Brotherly Love. Welcome to VEASAN's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. All right, folks, last 30 minutes of the program. You missed out any part of this. The actual episodes of the podcast as well. Uh, vcin.com slash podcast where you find it anywhere you get your podcast as well. This will be posted uh, right after the show. Post-haste is what I'm told. I'm just putting words in our producers' mouths, but uh, they do a great job. It'll be up. Um, a quick update, and we're going to get into the uh, details of this matchup again coming up in 15. Uh, but just to let you know where we're at as we're getting closer and closer to tip-off here, Philadelphia across the board is reaching that 2.5 mark with a total of 208 or 208.5. Uh, Circa, the sports book in which I'm sitting right now, uh, the loan holdout at two, but the two is juiced. So if you want to lay two, you're laying a buck fifteen here at Circa Sports, and that's the update. We'll get to the actual matchup itself coming up uh, in a little bit and some player prop angles as well. So let's get to the details of what we saw earlier today, as we have let this thing settle down now uh, between the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. I also wanted to bring this up too. Um, can I just say as well, like, look. Like, I like betting on basketball. I'm also, like, a fan of the sport, so I really enjoy watching these guys play and hoop. How about some of these numbers for Luka Doncic historically? Uh, because I actually just I just closed my window. These struggles of doing this by yourself. All right, from ESPN Stats and Info, Luka Doncic has now scored 655 points over his first 20 playoff games. That is the third highest total all time behind only Will Chamberlain, who had 705 and Michael Jordan, who had 718. Doncic is freaking awesome. And you see that in the playoffs uh, through six games. Is that including today? Thumbs up. I don't think it's including today, right? You guys that good at your job? Man, that's incredible if it is. Uh, no, 32.3 points per game, 10.3 rebounds, 6.8 assists. Uh, he's been awesome, man. And sometimes there is something to be said of guys who can just perform in the moments. And clearly, when you have 655 freaking points over the first 20 playoff games of your career, uh, the moment is not too big for you, and he conclude, and he continues to be a really, really clutch playoff performer. So today, offensive rating for the Dallas Mavericks, 118.7. They limit the Phoenix Suns to 1.076 per possession. Again, and this is the really important part, for the last three games now, the Phoenix Suns have gotten a little, uh, a little squeaky, a little loose with the ball. 17.4% turnover rate for the Phoenix Suns is a really poor rate for a team, especially a team that is Chris Paul's or point guard. Now, Chris Paul got in a lot of foul trouble, barely played today, but still three games now in which this team has had some turnover issues and the Dallas Mavericks have taken advantage of that. But for Dallas, there's a couple of things that stick out for what Dallas did today. And on the surface, the rim numbers aren't really good at all for the Dallas Mavericks. In this game, in non-garbage time, they only went 6 of 13 within four feet of the basket. That's 46.2%. That is an abysmal shooting percentage to have within four feet of the basket. They drew, uh, they drew four shooting fouls, and they had 20 attempts in the short mid-range area of the floor. So overall, in the paint, as we want to call it, uh, 33 attempts, but only 14 makes. So pretty poor rate in terms of at least efficiency in the painted area, in the restricted area for the Dallas Mavericks. But getting to the painted area is what helped them out so much in this game, and it's what helped them out in the third uh, in game three as well, because it, especially in that first half, 
It was all about dribble penetration, getting your feet in the painted area of the floor, kicking it out, rotating the ball around, and getting the Phoenix Suns to just scramble defensively, and it opened up the floor entirely, especially from the perimeter. They started out the game 4 for 4 from the corner in terms of corner three-point shots. They ended up 10 of 16 on three-point attempts from the corner, 35.7% over, or excuse me, 62.5% from the corner, 35.7% on above-the-break threes or nine corner threes, and overall for the game, 20 of 44 from three-point range. What, what the, the problem I thought in game two because the Dallas Mavericks had similar numbers uh, at the rim in Game Two, and I'll pull those up exactly to tell you what I'm ta- to show you what I'm talking about. But I, I think what the problem was and the difference was from Game Two to this game, while the numbers at the rim were similar, the difference was that in Game Two there wasn't an effort to get into the paint and then kick it out. It was more like some just not even lackadaisical, but really disjointed half court possessions. A lot of dribbling, not a lot of ball movement. You actually saw it early in the third quarter when they came out of the half, and it looked like the Suns were maybe going to get back in this thing. Some stagnant offensive possessions. None of the others getting involved. When I mean others, Stenser Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, who we'll get to momentarily. But I think this game, it was brilliant in watching them get the ball to the painted area of the floor, drawing help defenders if you're Luka Doncic, kicking it out, finding open shooters. And it was a big reason why they were open up the floor and why they were able to shoot so well. Like tonight... Once I get a chance to look at some of these numbers, I'd be very interested to see over these last two games how many wide-open attempts the Dallas Mavericks generated in these last two games, how many open attempts they generated, because just by like memory and observationally, it did seem like they got a lot of open looks from three-point range. Uh, but to go back to what I'm talking about in that third game, excuse me, in that second game in Phoenix, to kind of paint a similar picture, because remember, Phoenix won that game by 10, and uh, actually, no, by 20, and they blew them out. Dallas in that game only had 10 attempts within four feet of the basket. So similar to what we saw here, the difference, though, is that those few attempts were partly because they were kicking it out to open shooters as opposed to in that second game. They just don't really, weren't really trying to score within four feet of the basket. But I think that's been the biggest difference for Dallas in these last two games. In game three, they had 25 attempts within four feet of the basket. Luka Doncic was banging with Mikhail Bridges. He was posting them up, banging them down low, bringing them to within four feet, and either getting help off of that or just scoring in isolation on his own. And that really opened up this offense each of the last two games. And then you get the more obvious thing about their offensive flow, because we'll get to their defense too. But the more obvious aspect of this is that you're finally getting help, right? You're finally, if you're Luka Doncic, you're getting others to kind of get into this because it's great that you can score over 35 points at each of the first two games in Phoenix, but your offense as a whole was terrible and you lost both of those games. But again, today, Dorian Finney-Smith, 24 points, had five huge offensive rebounds in this game. Jalen Brunson, 18 points, 7-17 to shooting. Of course, drew the key foul that... Uh, fouled out, Chris Paul. Again, contributions from others. You had three double-digit scorers off the bench, the Dallas Mavericks did. Dinwiddie, tw- 10 points in 19 minutes. Not efficient, but still gave you 10 points. Davis Bertans, especially in that first half, very big for them. 12 points, four, six, three-point shooting from the uh, from three-point range. And then Max Kleba, 11 points, four or seven from the floor, and a plus-minus of plus 16. That's also one of the biggest things here that has changed for Dallas. In games one and two, there were no contributions from anybody named uh, anybody not named Luka Doncic. They were terrible. But in these last few games, you finally started to see things wake up. And the other part about this and how they've been playing defensively, and this is why I love like watching these games. You really got to pay attention to these. Reggie Bullock, over the last two games, I think has been brilliant on the defensive end. He's done such a good job in his defensive assignments, whether it's Chris Paul, whether it's Devin Booker, if he gets switched on to him. He's done such a good job in his minutes and in his roles played. And while he only hit seven, you know, he only scored seven points and only hit two three-point attempts today, they were plus nine in his 39 minutes on the floor, and he was one of the very big drivers behind the Dallas Mavericks' defensive efforts here today. 
And the other thing here, as you talk about this team defensively, this is what's been flipped on its head now for the Phoenix Suns. And this is also, you know, I love these conversations, the dangers of focusing your offense around the inefficient area, which is the mid-range area of the floor. In the first two games of the series, the Phoenix Suns were brilliant from mid-range. They shot 55.6% on all mid-range attempts. It's ridiculous. It's mind-boggling to be able to shoot that kind of a clip from that area of the floor. Today, though, again, on mid-range attempts, just 11-34 on all mid-range shots, 32.4%, and they were shooting an ungodly clip. It was over 60% on long twos, something that's not really sustainable. They were shooting over 60% through those first two games. On long twos today, just 25%, 3 of 12. And that's where you kind of get into this. You know, you always talk kind of like the math difference, right? Some of these teams play the math game, which is let's just take a whole lot of threes. Let's win that battle. And if we make more threes, especially a good chunk more threes, and we shoot more of them, well, then more times often than not, we're going to win some of these games. Well, today, in non-garbage time minutes, 20 made threes compared to nine for the Phoenix Suns. That's going to be a pretty big difference here in this series. So now it's about spinning this forward. And this is coming kind of tying this back perfectly with our conversations about home court. Role players tend to play better at home. It has been a big reason why these home teams in the second round are now 11-2 and two straight up and against the spread, covering by more than eight points per game because role players have really come on in these second rounds playing at home. Teams seem to be more comfortable, obviously, playing at home, and these offenses are just really opening things up in the friendly confines of their arena, and you wonder if now we're going to see this trend continue, and when Phoenix comes back home, we're going to start to see these ungodly numbers again from mid-range. We're going to see this offense really start to take off and how the Dallas Mavericks operate when they go on the road because these teams on the road in the second round have not been very good. But I do think that Dallas, not that they've discovered something here in these two games, but to a certain extent they have, changing the game plan up, allowing others to get involved, getting a little bit more dirty when it comes to getting the ball in the painted area of the floor. Guys like Jalen Brunson, Challenging dudes like Devin Booker, realizing that you know, Devin Booker's long and he's good in terms of effort, but he's also not stopping you from getting to the basket. He's not going to cut you off. He's not an elite defender. And so you have success kind of attacking off of the dribble. Luka Doncic, when you're posting up a guy, you can draw a double team and open up the floor for your teammates to then drive open lanes when they get the ball on the perimeter if the wide open shot's not there. So I do think that the Mavericks, these adjustments that they have made in these two games – they're tenable to move forward here. And now as you look at this adjusted series price, and again, minus 270 on an adjusted series price for the, for the Phoenix Suns, an implied probability of 73%. Through four games, we are tied at two games apiece. And from what we've seen through these four games, are you really willing to tell me that 73 times out of 100 going forward, this Phoenix Suns team is winning this series? Because I'm not. I think that's a really high series price for the Phoenix Suns. And as ER said, you know, they seem to be from a value standpoint, and I'm guilty of this too, by the way. I had the Suns coming into the postseason rated as my highest team. They struggled to take to put away the New Orleans Pelicans. They're struggling to put away the Dallas Mavericks. Three consecutive games in which they turned the ball over at a really high clip. Suns better watch out, man, because they're playing with fire at this point. All right, we'll come back, get our last preview of the night game tonight, game four between Philly and Miami. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky, they're saying, Cal's a bust, he can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie, I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my day. <laughs> Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky, they're saying, Cal's a bust, he can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> 
Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my (laughs) Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. VSIN Spring Specials here for only $59. You're going to get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. The next few months is going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at vsin.com. And subscribers are going to have access to all of it. That includes Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Adam's been doing a bang up job on those things. And as Adam put in his most recent column, and I'm not doing this on purpose because he might be in the back and maybe listening and all that kind of stuff, maybe winning some brownie points, but I do read the column. A lot of good information and a lot of good learning tools to carry forward in your MLB handicapping. Jonathan Von Tobel, that's me, going to have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil, going to break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. Going to have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, because, of course, NFL is king. Not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. 
If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bet email, every edition of Points Red Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash spring. Only the cost of one PS5 game. That's it. Now, there might be a lot of people listening and watching right now that are like, what's a PS5? <laughs> and to those, I tell you, uh, touch grass. Come on, let's go. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this game later tonight. So as the market's kind of flashing around and moving around, our last look at Philadelphia and Miami, uh, we're hovering around Philadelphia, two-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 208.5. So the moves here that are worth mentioning opened up one-and-a-half. And this is also, can I just say, because I know a lot of people really like the betting splits and like tracking where the numbers go. And, you know, we talk about reverse line movement and everything like that. Always keep in mind when you're looking at some of these betting splits and, and opening numbers, it's for a specific book. And so while one shop might open, you know, two and a half, and then move to two might seem like a move to the underdog, other shops opened at one and a half and moved to that two, two and a half. So I, just, I would always just say keep that in mind as you're looking at this because I know there might be a lot of looking at, uh, looking at a game like this and saying, hey, man, line's moving toward, this, moving toward the heat. It's actually not the case. The most part, most shops open this one and a half, moved to two, two and a half, and the number's been moving toward the Philadelphia 76ers. And this brings us back to one of our topics when we were discussing this in the first hour. Just from a number standpoint here, personally, I think with Joel Embiid back on the floor, these two teams are at the very least equals to one another. Now, if you want to, I guess, subtract a little bit of something because Joel Embiid's working his way back from injury, I can maybe kind of get there to a certain extent. But still, if we're factoring in this home court being worth three points, which is becoming more and more obvious it is, and in fact, we did the exercise on the air. I punched the numbers in the spreadsheet and updated it after the most latest result, and my numbers come up as exactly three in terms of home court in the postseason now. Then a number of one and a half would tell you that on a neutral, the Miami Heat are one and a half, one and a half points better. I don't believe that to be the case. Again, I believe these two teams to be equal now, especially with Joel Embiid at full strength. That gets me to lay one and a half here with the Philadelphia 76ers. Then market seems to agree with that assessment. We're up to two and a half in pretty much every spot. And the lone two out there, the book that I'm sitting at right now is juiced. So if you want to lay that two, you're laying minus 115. And from the matchup standpoint, for me, and guys, can we bring back that Bam bio tweet too? Because I think this is pretty important. Because Joel Embiid is really impactful offensively. He's a 30 and 10 guy all the way around if he wants to be. But his impact defensively, I thought, was so painfully obvious in his game back in Game 3. Through the first two games of the series, look at what Bam Adebayo has been doing to some of the centers that the Philadelphia 76ers have been putting out there. Against DeAndre Jordan in the first two games, he scored 22 points, 9-10 shooting when he was his primary defender. Paul Reed, smaller guy against Bam Adebayo, he scored 12 points on 2-5 shooting. Paul Millsap, the one, you know, the one shot he took against him, he hit it, and he scored a, he scored a bucket, right? But look at, I want you to focus on this second graph if you're watching this up on vcin.com because that's the important part. In their one regular season game against one another, Adebayo scored four points on two of six shooting with Joel Embiid defending him. That was in the regular season. Then we fast forward to this last game that they just played. And lo and behold, Joel Embiid comes back, and Bam Adebayo goes from 23.5 points per game on well over 50% shooting to nine points on two of nine shooting from the floor. He was plus 41 in the first two games in Miami with no Joel Embiid. They're minus 22 in his minutes in game three with Embiid back there on the floor. You just go to a late possession where it was like a little pick and roll. It was a short roll to the basket for Bam Adebayo. And who meets him in the paint but Joel Embiid who goes straight up. Adebayo essentially bounces off of him, misses the attempt, 
And I think it was an offensive rebound and a putback. But regardless, that one possession, I think, speaks volumes to Adebayo was like the second best, if not the best player on the court for the Miami Heat for those first two games. He was that secondary offensive valve for the Miami Heat. Now, with Joel Embiid back out there, that changes to me everything in terms of the offensive game plan for Miami. And, and look at this, too, because Miami hasn't been perfect for the Heat. Keep that in mind. In the postseason, offensive rating in the half court for the Miami Heat, 93.6. Against Philadelphia, that includes one blowout game there, a half-court offensive rating of 89.8. These half-court possessions have not gone very well for Miami. They're not a really good half-court offensive team. So now, throw into the mix one of the better defenders in the NBA and Joel Embiid, and all of a sudden you have a pretty big issue for a Miami team that has been very inconsistent on that end of the floor. And yes, they can get up and down in transition. We've noted before that Philadelphia, one of their biggest weaknesses is transition defense. It was the reason why I bet the Toronto Raptors in, in, in that series, plus 165, Shout out to that one guy who keeps tweeting me about that series bet. Yes, I bet the Toronto Raptors to win that series against the Philadelphia 76ers. And yes, it lost. Um, and it's one of the reasons why. Is that they're going to be able to be pretty good in transition, right? And they weren't. But that is a weakness that the Heat can exploit. But when we're talking about a playoff game and a series that is pretty slow in terms of pace, that there's not going to be very many transition opportunities, and this game is going to be a little bit more half-court oriented, I think it gives Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers a little bit more life here with him back. And the other part of this, too, is you would think, and this is, a, this is just kind of an assumption on my part, that with Joel Embiid, with the game under the belt, playing with the mask again, getting a little bit more comfortable, that you're probably going to get a little bit more of an aggressive performance from him as opposed to the 18 points on, what was it, like a 5 of 12 shooting from the floor. He didn't take a single three-point attempt, and he only got to the free throw line 10 times. So one would assume that you're going to get a more aggressive Joel Embiid. The defensive impact is still going to be there because it was there in game one, or excuse me, in game three, his first game back. And that the floor continues to open up for guys and that the three-point shooting is going to continue at an above-average clip for the Philadelphia 76ers who have continued to draw wide open and open attempts against a Miami Heat team who ranked last in terms of opponent three-point frequency in the regular season and last in terms of open three-point shots allowed in the regular season. So again, it's Wiley one and a half for the Philadelphia 76ers. And also want to know here too that I did take some of the Philadelphia 76ers at three to one to win this series. And we're starting to see that adjustment here. It was three to one at circa earlier today. It's moved, but not much. Plus 280, plus 290 across the board. There's still certain spots that you can get three to one. Hell, I actually on my screen right now, I'm seeing stations up at like plus 305 on the Philadelphia 76ers to win that series. So if you want a little extra juice out of that turnip, you can go down there. Uh, but I, that's where I'm at with this game and with this series. Laid one and a half with Philadelphia, took a little bit of three to one on the series price for the 76ers. So let's get to some of the player props too, and let's you know, spin some of the analysis that we're talking about here. So for example, you know, Bam Adebayo, his point total, 16 and a half. And earlier today, we've seen a little bit of an adjustment here because earlier today over at DraftKings, it was six and a half, really shaded to the under, about minus 130 or so. Now it's come back to about pick. Slightly shaded to the under at minus 115 with minus 110 on the over. But 16.5 for Bam Adebayo. Think about that. A guy who averaged 23.5 points in the first two games of this series, now down to 16.5 for his player prop because Joel Embiid is back out there. And again, would tend to lean under the total there for Bam Adebayo just given how good Joel Embiid is on that end of the floor. I think where you gravitate towards is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler over the last two games of this series has been really good for the Miami Heat. And he's been really good for a reason. And it's not really a good reason for the Miami Heat. It's because they've been kind of struggling. 
to generate some sort of offense. The only dynamic shot creator that the Miami Heat have outside of Jimmy Butler at this point right now is not Kyle Lowry, who kind of looks like a shell of himself because of his hamstring injury. It's been Tyler Hero. And Tyler Hero, while he's really great offensively at times, he can also, as we know, be a liability defensively and something to pick on if you're the Philadelphia 76ers. But going back to Butler really quickly, 33 points in the last game. He had nine rebounds, two assists. It does seem like from a usage standpoint, from a scoring standpoint, from a facilitation standpoint, everything's going to run through Jimmy Butler. And while two assists in the last game wasn't that much, he had 12 assists in game two. So that's when his team was performing better and you got to pick on a really poor defense for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, points, rebounds, and assists for a Joel Embiid or excuse me, a Jimmy Butler, maybe something worth looking at. His point total, 23.5, shaded to the over at minus 120. But if this goes how I expect it to go, if you're looking for player prop angles, things like that, to me it would be pro Jimmy Butler and down on a few other guys. And I am curious because he's not listed, but I wonder what the Heat do with like a Duncan Robinson type because Philadelphia was a lot better staying home on some of these three-point shooters last game because you, know, you can now that you have Joel Embiid. You feel confident there. You can run them off the three-point line if you want. You have somebody back there behind you. But you need a little bit better spacing here for those half-court sets. And I wonder if Duncan Robinson, who hasn't gotten much run in this series, if maybe he finds his way onto the court, mainly because they just need some of that shooting and spacing to kind of loosen things up for them offensively. So with that, we are all done here on Hardwood Handicappers. Another two hours in the books. If you missed out on any part of it, of course, vcin.com slash podcast. Aaron Rinning was fantastic in the first hour, so make sure you check that out. Also, we had a good conversation on that home court where we're at at this point right now. And just a good show in general. Make sure you go up to vcin.com and check out everything we have to offer for that spring special. Run line coming up next. See you next week. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 